Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Packs What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And still feels a little bit different not being in Green Bay, uh, not being at practice at training camp, um, getting to see everything. Last media availability was today. Um, so, you know, now things will wrap up with the Buffalo Bills preseason game. And then we have roster cutdowns happening next week to get to the final 53. So before we talk about that too much, Perry, how are you? Good. I kind of had FOMO from practice today from everything that <laughs> on Twitter. It looks like a really fun, exciting practice. Sounded like the offense um, was really on a roll, which we love. Um, and as we get closer to the regular season and week one, I love to hear that the offense is really clicking. Um, I'm going to ignore that that means that the defense was not and just go ahead and say it's because they're going up against the best offense in the league. So nobody is going to be harder than going up against their own team. Yeah. And it sounds like, I mean, you know, for as good as the offense looks, I think we kind of understand that this is going to be a really tough offense to stop for any defense, but you know, some players got their, got their wins. Rashawn Gary, it sounded like had a really good day. Kenny Clark, I think stuffed an AJ Dillon uh, run at some point. So, you know, those are things that will be exciting to see the defense do against other teams. Um, Going into, I guess, before we talk about roster cutdowns and predictions, what are you thinking as far as numbers going into the Bills game? I mean, do you think we're going to see like 30 plus people uh, sitting again or, you know, do you think it's going to be pretty short? Yeah, I can't see Matt LaFleur or the staff like risking anything to anybody at this point. This is, and I think we're going to dive into this a little bit um, on this show. I think this is for figuring out who the last couple of spots are for and who they want to keep on the practice squad. I, I think that there's, very little left to see or understand from basically the entire team, like 30 plus starters. Okay. So here's another question then. Do you think there will be players sitting out that are in jeopardy of not making the roster? Or do you think if you have something to play for, you will be playing? Will there be any surprise inactives? It depends on injuries. I think if they're still injured, it's really unlikely. So thinking like, Juwan Winfrey or however EQ is feeling like if they can't get healthy enough to get the team to allow them to play there's they're not really in the best position right that's a good point yeah and I think that's let's let's start there then if, if you are okay with starting with the wide receivers because I think you know you and I pre-show and all week we've talked about the fact that it seems like the roster as a whole is kind of decided outside of maybe a handful of positions. And I think wide receiver arguably now is one of those positions that is still up in the air. So we had talked on this show, um, feels like there's five wide receivers that are a lock. And then Devin Funches probably had the inside track to that sixth spot. We know now, of course, that he's on season ending injured reserve. It's possible, of course, he could get an injury settlement, but we know he won't be on the Packers 53 man roster. So do you think they keep five wide receivers now? Do you think somebody else has a sixth spot? Do you think they keep seven? What does that look like to you? Yeah, it's a real bummer about Funches that it upsets me more for the player because he's still super young. And so to lose three whole seasons basically of your career in the prime years of your career is it's just, it's, I guess it's part of the game, right? If you can't stay healthy, then you can't get on the field, but just really sucks for him. Um, I 
think that Matt LaFleur dropped a little hint in his presser this morning when he said, if we keep six. So it sounds to me like there's no way they're keeping seven. I think that's out the window at this point. Um, And it's going to come down to whether he thinks that sixth spot is whether that spot is worthy of a wide receiver or if they would rather keep someone from a different position. I think it's going to be, do they want to keep Malik Taylor or not? Um, And this is getting into some of my like bold predictions, if you will. But I think Malik Taylor is the only wide receiver left on the roster that has a shot at making the team. And it's really just a numbers game on whether the Packers want six or five, but the top five, like Matt LaFleur said this morning, um, are solid. They're there. So do they want someone, you know, good special teams player and who can make maybe a couple, you know, nice, nice catches for Rogers, but otherwise that sixth spot is, I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah. And I think that that is kind of the upside to a guy like Malik Taylor. I know that we had all talked about him as a special teams option, but you know, he looked really good against the Jets with Kurt Bankert throwing in the ball. And that doesn't mean that he's going to have the same kind of reaction against lockdown corners at, you know, a first team level with Aaron Rodgers throwing in the ball. It's possible, but you know, he was never going to be that guy in a regular season game, barring injuries and things. So I think, you know, that is the upside. You, you weren't going to put Devin Funches on special teams. So if you keep a guy like Malik Taylor, that is their role on the Packers, I guess, get a little bit, lucky considering that Jay Sternberger is suspended for two games. So there's the possibility that maybe Malik Taylor is on the roster for two games. And then he's a guy yeah. that they moved to the practice squad to make room for a guy like Jay Sternberger. You know, those are options as well, but I'm with you. I think it's Malik Taylor or five wide receivers. I think Juwan Winfrey, Reggie Begleton, those are guys who make a lot of sense on the practice squad and they can be elevated on game day, but I just don't see the Packers giving up a sixth wide receiver spot unless it's somebody that we know is really good on special teams. I completely agree with you. And then that leaves us thinking that, you know, maybe a surprise or a a year too early cut for the Packers is Equinemia St. Brown. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's the injury thing, right? Like he hasn't been able to stay healthy on the field and we haven't, you know, we always talk about that the best ability is availability and he hasn't had that for this, this camp or this preseason. So it's really hard to know what you have in him, even though the Packers have gotten like glimpses to know enough to give him a spot over a guy like Malik Taylor, who has gone out and proven that not only can he play on special teams, but he does have reliable hands and he can be you know, a contributor in the wide receiver room as well. Absolutely. So do you want to stay on the offensive side of the ball? What other positions do you feel unsettled going into the Bills game? <laughs> um, I think maybe some depth at the offensive line is really yeah. all that's left in my mind. Um, for, for the Packers on offense, I think it's pretty clear from a tight end and running back scenario and quarterback, obviously, um, you know, where where that roster stands. But for me, it's just how many offensive linemen do they want to keep? Again, it's a numbers game. And then which of the depth guys are they going to keep around? Um, you've seen kind of a rotation with Lucas Patrick, Ben Braden, John Runyon Jr., Royce Newman, all these guys on the interior. Um, and it's kind of, it's just a wonder, you know, who who gets put on the 53. I think there's, I have, let's see here, five on my list of those that I think are, they're going to cut. And I think all five of them, they're going to try to bring back on the practice squad. Um, so that's what I'm looking at. Is that what you had in mind also? 
Yeah, I mean, I think to me it was trying to decide if the Packers are keeping nine or 10 offensive linemen, you know, and I guess one of the caveats for me is what happens with Lucas Patrick and, you know, the Packers can save 2 million against the cap by getting rid of him. And there was a part of me that wondered if that's something they were considering because Lucas Patrick has always kind of been the backup center. I know Elton Jenkins can do that, but he's tied up being a left tackle. So that's going to be tricky for him. He can't commit to both spots. I know they've been playing John Runyon Jr. at center. He does not look comfortable as a center to me. I think he would prefer to play guard or tackle. So you wonder if Lucas Patrick kind of sticks because he can provide depth at center when there's not a lot of skill there just yet, or if maybe they've seen enough of him and they're comfortable, I guess, feeling that they can move on from him at this point in the season. So I say to me, for sure, it's, it's the left and right guard spots. And I think at this point it's Royce Newman and I don't know. That's, I think Royce Newman has one. I don't know who has the other one. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we'll see how they rotate them in, in the, in the preseason game. I think that's been like the biggest tell from the last two games. Um, You know, I think Lucas Patrick is definitely one to keep your eye on just from like a surprise cut standpoint it's unfortunate but I think it's also become clear it was always a long shot for David Bakhtiari to start week one Um, I think it's become clear at least in my mind that he's not going to Um, he's still rehabbing he hasn't put pads on um, and it it looks like you know they're planning to not have him um, which also makes this roster building interesting because you know that eventually they're going to have to elevate him and then cut somebody for that spot also yeah and I mean I think you know like it's it's tricky now too with Dennis Kelly they brought him in to kind of be a backup swing tap goal and now he's rehabbing so maybe there's a guy like Yash Nyman who was on the roster bubble who maybe has secured a spot because he's gotten a lot of looks at left tackle in the preseason and he's played better you know the last couple weeks of training camp and against the Jets than he did against the Texans so it is kind of interesting to think about how they shuffle these pieces and I do agree with you that a lot of of the guys that don't necessarily make the 53 with the expanded practice squad, having 16 spots now instead of 10 will stay with the Packers in some capacity, unless they get a chance to go play elsewhere. Yeah. I think again, just reiterate that the offense seems to be like fairly solidified besides a handful of spots. And I think it's literally two, whereas on defense, there's just a lot more moving parts and a lot more positions where, how many are they going to keep and like which players do they think are going to be like the most impactful. And I don't know about you, but I think like what comes to mind for me are the linebackers and the safeties. Yeah. See, to me, I mean, I agree with you that it is the linebackers for sure, but I would almost say defensive backs as a whole, Yeah. because my question is, do they keep six or seven corners? And then how many safeties do they allot? Because they've gone into the season with four, kind of feels like this year they could keep five if a guy like Amos is going to drop into the box. So to me, DBs as a whole become a really big question mark, knowing that there's you know some special teams versatility as well for the guys that don't maybe play defense right away. I think I'm leaning towards five safeties, and that's solely because, okay, here's my thought process. I think we're not going to see nearly as much dime from a Joe Barry defense as we did from Petten. We hope. And what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Know. I said yeah, we hope. <laughs> but, but in general, right, we were at practice. There was almost no dime looks. They haven't really right. had any in the preseason games. Joe Barry's base is nickel. And right now that's kind of taken over by Chandon Sullivan, right, who's a corner technically. So you would hope that eventually if the safety spot, this is my thought process, if the safety spot, a three or number three or four safety 
can solidify themselves, then Joe Barry is free to utilize Darnell Savage in that way as well and have the versatility, have the flexibility that he can between him and Chandon, maybe Jair, who knows what he wants to do there. So I am leaning towards keeping five just because you can't use Darnell or even, like you just said, Adrian Amos dropping into the box if you don't have a number three or four uh, safety like solid that you trust. And on top of that, you've seen Innes Gaines and Henry Black and even to an extent Vernon Scott when he's been healthy be really impactful when they're on the field. So I can't see the Packers keeping like an Isaac Yadam over any of those safeties based off of utilization and play on the field. Yeah, so that's, I mean, the Will Redmond news, I was kind of surprised by the fact that he also went on season-ending IR, unless he's a guy like Devin Funches who maybe you could consider reaching an injury settlement with. It didn't seem like anything was that severe, but we also, when we were at camp, when we were at camp, he was still rehabbing, so he was never really kind of acclimated into the defense anyway, so maybe whatever the issue was, and then the toe kind of made all of those things worse. We don't know that, but... To me, Vernon Scott felt like the obvious third. And now, of course, he's dealing with injuries. So there's there's been a small part of me the last couple of days that's wondering if Vernon Scott makes the 53-man roster and is immediately placed on IR because they'll want him to come back at some point during the season. And maybe that opens up the room to have Amos Savage, Gaines, Black, Uphoff. Uphoff, Because yeah. to me, there was, you know, Scott was going to be one of the guys and then somebody was going to be an odd man out in that room. Uphoff maybe had the edge on special teams, but the other two had gotten more looks in the starting defense. So, you know, kind of where the Packers prioritized again. So that's, I don't know if this counts as a bold prediction, but yeah, to me, it's Vernon Scott to IR right after he makes the 53 and then they elevate whoever wasn't on the initial roster. I had the exact same thought process and Uphoff was my choice. Like obviously doesn't make the 53, bring him back on the practice squad and then elevate him to the roster after you, you put Vernon Scott on IR. That was, we're on the same page. <laughs> so I do not to like completely derail this, but I asked Sanjay this on pack a day. So I'm curious what your thoughts would be. Okay. Uh, we did superlatives and he yelled at me for this being really specific, but my superlative was most likely to not make the initial 53 man roster but then get elevated to play week one. So Alan Lazard, Chris Barnes kind of guy who doesn't make the 53 and then all of a sudden plays week one. Because oh <laughs> it could be Christian Upoff, right? Like that following playing, the... though, playing week one. Yeah. That's interesting. I actually think it might be a linebacker. Okay. To be honest, like I think that could be like a Isaiah McDuffie. That's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. See, yeah, Sanjay said it was way too hard. I know it is. That is a hard. You think no, about it, but hard. you, you really, you just put me on the spot. <laughs> You're lucky that I have my notes up in front of me because <laughs> no, Isaiah McDuffie's a really good one because I, I could, I could see that for sure. So, yeah. I mean, do you want, do you want to talk about? Well, let's finish up with the corners. You said you think they're keeping six, not seven. Yeah, yeah. I think they're going to – it's it's exactly what you think it's going to be, basically. And they'll they'll cut Isaac Yadam and Stefan Denmark, who they just brought in. Maybe they try to keep either of them on the practice squad. But it's Jair, Stokes, Kevin, Shamar, Chandon, and KB Nento, your stan. So, I mean, you really think that Ento gets the nod over Isaac Yadam if there is a six spot? 
I do. I do feel that way. I think the Packers value players who have been in the building. And I mean, I think Isaac Yadam kind of jumps out because he has looked good on special teams. And But, you know, when you listen to Jerry Gray, a lot of these guys that come in late, it is really tough for them. And you feel for Josh Jackson, Kadar Holman, guys that have gone to other buildings because maybe if they latch onto a practice squad and get an opportunity. But like you said, Stephen, uh, Stephen Denmark, Stephen Denmark, I'm not sure how he pronounces his first name. However, like he came in with three days before the Bills game. There's unless they want to see, you know, if he's a guy that they'll stash on their practice squad. It's really tough. And it's cool that the NFL is kind of a revolving door and you do get these opportunities when you least expect them. But it's tough to think that a guy like that would come in and actually have a shot at making a roster. Yep. I agree with you. Um, And I, and to keep going with the linebackers, I just think that it's become very clear. The Packers only going to keep four, like, right. I think the Kamal Martin release that was surprising to everyone, just given that he is a recent draft pick, young athletic guy, high upside, but I never thought the Packers were going to keep five. And so basically anyone that's not Devonjo Campbell, Chris Barnes, Oren Burks, or Ty Summers is going to be cut and maybe brought back to the practice squad. I think it's like a very, very clear, unless I'm completely missing something, the Packers do something crazy. So don't hold that against me. Yeah. And I mean, I think Kamal Martin was, it seemed to surprise everybody in social media. There wasn't really anybody that had said, oh yeah, this seems like it, was bound to happen. You know, I think it kind of shocked a lot of people just given that he was a fifth round draft pick last season. Like the Packers historically don't move on from players that quickly. So to me, that could have been the fifth inside linebacker spot. When you consider that Oren Burks and Ty Summers were probably going to be big special teamers, then Oren Burks has looked really good. Ty Summers, I guess is kind of up in the air to me. If one person is leaving the inside linebackers room, that's been there a while, it would be like you said, and Isaiah McDuffie because he can come in play special teams and in limited opportunities, come in and play inside linebacker. I thought he looked good against the jets. I kept going, Oh, who is that? And it would be McDuffie running around in the middle of the defense. So yeah, outside of inside linebackers, you know, I was going back and forth between four edge rushers, five inside linebackers, four inside linebackers, five edge rushers. Do you have any thoughts now? You know, maybe that Z has his back injury. Do you think the Packers stick with four inside linebackers? They had five last season with Randy Ramsey and Jonathan Garvin. Like, what does that room look like uh, to start the season? I think it's, like, pretty – I think it's, it is exactly what it is. It's the Smith brothers and Gary. Um, and then I think, like, Tipa probably makes it um, – yeah, I was I was debating between – like, is it going to be Garvin or a guy like, like Willington Prevalon? But I just think that the delineate there's, there's clear like tiers to me kind of with the outside linebackers. It's obviously you're starting three, you're kind of recent guys who just unfortunately haven't had enough snaps to prove themselves, but there's, there's a clear interest in getting them into the rotation, which is, was Randy Ramsey um, and Jonathan Garvin Antipa because they're also making plays in the in the preseason games and then there's just kind of your practice squad guys underneath that yeah and that's I mean that's I think the toughest part is we hear about guys that are flashing in practice but we don't necessarily hear you know if they're flashing against the ones if they're flashing on second team or third team so Chauncey Rivers is a name that I've been thinking about a lot that could be like a surprise addition to the 53 um, I know, you know, Mike Smith had said if Tipa can add like 10 pounds, he'll just be a demon. 
Um, so I don't know if he'd be a candidate for the practice squad and they'll have him bulk up and then like Jonathan Garvin and Chauncey Rivers would get those final couple spots. To me, that's going to be kind of an interesting thing to see shake out because last season, I think Randy Ramsey ended up being a little bit of a surprise, but then he ended up playing more special teams than actual defensive snaps. So if yeah. there's any guy, Teep has been on special teams quite a bit. So if there's any players, you know, we talked about this. We've talked about this since the beginning of training camp where most of these spots I think we started the show by saying there's probably 50 spots solidified on the roster right now. And the way those final spots shake out will be how these guys are able to contribute on special teams. And that, you know, especially for a guy like Maury Straten, who maybe will lean on vets more than we've seen because he'll need them. That could be a roster spot for a guy like Oren Burks, who probably won't play too much on defense. And special special teams certainly needs a boost based off of what we've seen. Um, I think the only kind of my thought last thought if you will for roster cutdowns is my last bold prediction which is I actually think that Jack Heflin is going to make this team and Tyler Lancaster is not yes I agree and and I think we both feel this way for a couple of reasons which is Tyler Lancaster is probably making more right now than he's worth and the cap is precarious that's an understatement and Jack Heflin I think brings exactly what Tyler Lancaster does to the team for less and unfortunately just from like a business thought the Packers are going to have to make those really tough decisions like every team needs a Tyler Lancaster um is he going to flash is he going to be the best defensive lineman in the league no but you know teams need guys in the trenches like him I just think Jack Heflin can do everything that he does um and they don't need to pay him as much. Yeah, every team needs a trash can full of dirt. And unfortunately, <laughs> that is Jack Heflin this year. But no, I think since kind of the first preseason game, I've started to think about that. And it doesn't help Tyler Lancaster's case right now that he is injured. That is unfortunate. Unless, you know, there's an avenue, maybe like we're talking about with Vernon Scott, where Tyler Lancaster makes the 53, goes on IR, and Jack Heflin is elevated to take that spot. There could be a lot of shuffling with injuries Um, especially knowing that some of these guys aren't going to have injuries that last the entire season. That's what makes things like the Devin Funches injuries so interesting to me. Like, why didn't you wait a week, put him on IR, and then you can bring him back after six weeks? Um, But I'm with you. I think, you know, if you can get young at a position, especially when you look at maybe the skill set and there's not as steep a drop-off as maybe you would think from a third, fourth-year guy to a rookie, if you can have a hand-in-the-dirt, just guy that does the dirty work on a rookie contract – and did you, I don't know if you listen to his presser, but being a young guy from Iowa, getting to play for Jerry Montgomery, you know, he said that was like the reason he came to green Bay. So I thought that was really cool. And you can tell that he would do like just about anything to make this Packers roster. Exactly. hundred percent. So let's hear some other bold predictions, I guess, whether it's roster based or just if you want to talk about kind of, as we get into the beginning of the season, just what are your thoughts now that we've wrapped up maybe the uh, cut down predictions? I tweeted this out today and I could be wrong. That's what bold predictions are for. Right. But I think that the Packers, the Packers have many an extension to get done. Right. We already know about Devante and we hope that that happens. We know Jair is coming around the corner anytime soon. I don't know if they use his fifth year option and just push that out a year or what. I think that's likely what they're going to do. Um, but I think that the first extension that happens in the 2021 season is going to be MVS. And 
I know that that might be a hard pill to swallow for a bunch of, for Packers fans. He's been quote and unquote inconsistent in some people's eyes. Um, but I think that he's about to have his breakout season in whatever way that looks like for MVS. And I think if they wait, they're going to price themselves out of a guy who is a very, very specific and important role in Matt LaFleur's offense that they would like to have back to keep around for the Jordan Love era. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the way that I've been approaching this too. I know earlier in the offseason we talked about, you know, who do you prioritize if it's MBS or Alan Lazard? And I think MBS has continued to just nudge himself ahead in that conversation. And, you know, we think, we hope, we assume that the Packers are going to get a deal done with Devontae Adams. But whoever is quarterback in 2022, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or Jar- Jordan Love, you're going into the season with, we hope, Devontae Adams and Amari Rodgers. That's it. So if you give them MVS, the rest of the contracts, whether it is Alan Lazard or, you know, Malik Taylor or Juwan Winfrey, some of those things can kind of sort themselves out. But you have to at least give whoever is the quarterback more pieces to be successful. Because if, you know, for whatever reason, there is no Adams back and then you don't have MVS, you're going into the season with Amari Rogers and a bunch of people that maybe would be on a practice squad somewhere else. Right. And if and you just when you said that out loud, I was like, well, that's that's the skeleton for a wonderful offense. Obviously Devontae Adams is number one, but again, you have Amari Rogers, your slot guy and you have MVS, your deep threat. And then you have your running back room and you're setting Jordan love up for success. And I'm not saying that you can't go find another deep threat. Like maybe you can, maybe you can draft one, but MVS knows this playbook. He knows this offense. He's developing a connection with them and you honestly, you can't find speed like that everywhere, especially in the big body that MVS has. So um, I think that if we gave Jordan Love those pieces, you know, that would be amazing. It's just really comes down to money. And I don't want to put on like my tinfoil hat or anything here, but the more that I think about what you're saying as far as like where you can find MVS type receivers, Anthony Schwartz was in the draft, right? Like there's very specific players that play wide receiver that have the MBS skill set. And maybe the Packers are targeting them and it didn't happen. But even looking at the free agents that they brought in, undrafted guys, like that wasn't the Chris Blair role. That wasn't, you know, the DeAndre Tompkins role. Like if they wanted MBS, they would have brought in guys that replicated that. So I do think that kind of those things put together maybe do equate to the fact that the Packers are working towards that more than any of us maybe even expected. So what's your non-roster bold prediction before the season? I don't really have one. I think, you know, we talk so much about being on the MBS like hype train. So I guess my prediction regarding MBS is 800 yards and eight touchdowns. Like that's where I see his season kind of culminating. That's a beautiful season for him. That is a beautiful season for him, especially if Devontae Adams is putting up 18 touchdowns again or whatever it was. I think it was 18. I would um, love to see Jair finally get his the first team all pro. Yes, that's a good one. That's yeah. a really good one. And it would be well-deserved. I think Preston Smith has a bounce back here. I don't know if that counts as a bold prediction, but I think that everything we're hearing out of training camp is that he looks really good. And I know in his pressers, he said he's not like trying to incentivize things. Like he's not looking at sacks, like they're going to make him money, but they're going to make him money. So, yeah. you know, he's thinking about it, even if he's saying he's not thinking about it. They're always thinking about it because sacks equate to doing your job and likely getting your offense, the ball back, which is what he's you know paid to do. So I think my only bold predictions like kind of depress me a little bit. So I don't know if I want to like put those into the universe. 
my bold prediction that I'm hoping I'm wrong about is that this is Adarius Smith's last season with the Packers. I don't know if that's bold. I know that's the thing is I'm like, sorry. because if, if you get production out of anybody, whether it's Tipa, Jonathan Garvin, Preston Smith is cheaper. Rashawn Geary, we know can be edge one. We've seen what the edge draft class looks like the last couple of seasons. You know, I was high on like Jason Oway. Like there's always a guy in the first couple of rounds that can come in and be productive and compete. And we've seen the Packers have an affinity for early draft picks at edge, like Rashawn Gary, developmental prospects. So yeah, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he's one of the extension candidates, but given where they're prioritizing, even a guy like Adrian Amos, like a lot of these contracts that were big are coming to an end and where the Packers will prioritize, I think is going to be really tricky these next couple months. I low key would be really sad to see Amos go. Oh, absolutely. The Packers would prioritize keeping him because I know that Jamal Adams just got a huge contract and maybe safeties are garnering more money than they used to, but on a whole, they're usually less expensive than a corner or an edge rusher to bring back. Well, and even, you know, the, the thing when he came from the, the bears was like, Oh, he's not flashy. He's consistent. You're not going to hear his name. And that's been a really good thing, right? Like you don't want to normally hear a defensive backs name unless they're breaking up a play. If you don't hear them flagged for things, that's a good thing. And I think Amos has by all accounts exceeded expectations since he's gotten the green Bay and he does make flashy plays, right? Like I don't think bears fans were giving him enough credit yeah. for the role that he did play on the defense, especially, you know, like in the playoffs. So I do want to, before we wrap up, just want to end with a couple of thoughts about Kevin King. If you okay. want. Are they okay. happy or sad? Because we're bummer right now. So we need good. to bring they're it. Good. Okay, good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. Um, I just want to end because I know that he's been like the most controversial figure pretty much since he got drafted, which was not his fault. Um, and he never really like overcame the hump in Packers fans eyes and I don't think that his play in the NFC championship game helped him at all even though there are so many other factors that go into it so I just want to say that listening to his presser um, I was really impressed and I think it took this was his first one since that game right so he's had a lot of time to digest and go back and he resigned with the team and he's here and I just appreciated the way he First off, like took accountability for what happened. Um, I think that shows a lot of maturity and I can see why the Packers appreciate him as like the vet in that room because that's what he is. And secondly, like just came off as a really A plus teammate. Um, Again, like his mindset towards Eric Stokes. And that was my thought when I saw he was coming. I'm like, I wonder what he's going to say about the Packers essentially drafting his competition and you just really could not have gotten a better answer out of him. Eric Stokes didn't choose to come here. If he ends up outplaying me, then the Packers did their job in drafting him and I'm just here to do my 111th and hopefully win this. And especially just not wanting to sweep the NFC championship game under the rug and come back and you know, prove himself again. This is a prove it year for him. He's only back with Green Bay for one year. I doubt they're going to re-sign him. So this is a show all 31 other teams that I deserve a second contract somewhere else kind of year for him and finish it off, like he said, quote, with his boys. So I just wanted to give Kevin King a shout out because I thought that that was um, 
an incredibly brave and mature press conference out of him. Yeah. If you haven't listened to the Kevin King presser, would highly encourage you to do that, especially if you're somebody like still harboring resentment towards him or the pick Sanjay brought up that, you know, Kevin King, not his own fault will always be compared to TJ Watt and the the career trajectory of TJ Watt. So, you know, we know that happens with players. I know Packers fans wanted Brian Burns over Rashawn Gary, like those things happen in the draft. People fall in love with players, but um, for Kevin King to kind of own up to things and say that he wanted to come back to green Bay to finish things with his team, because he knows the kind of team that they can have, especially what kind of defense they can have this season. I think that means a lot. And I think it shows a lot of maturity for all these guys to kind of own up to it and say like, we want to be part of the solution, not just leave after we were part of the problem. Exactly. Yeah. So great. That's a great way to end the show. That's so much more uplifting than talking about guys that we love that might not come back. So, all right, Perry, if the people listening want to follow your work, um, find your 53 man roster prediction that you're going to put out somewhere. I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. Uh, Find your work on social media. How can they do that? Uh, you can follow me at Perry underscore Goldstein on Twitter. Please follow the podcast at PWSS Podcast on Twitter. Packs what she said on Instagram and Twitch. And Maggie, where can everyone find all of your amazing work? You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. I also do some writing for She Said TV. And then Perry and I are both with the Pack-A-Day podcast crew. So make sure you check that out as well. Uh, Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Whether you are a new or old listener, we appreciate you. Thanks for engaging with us on the the socials. It's been a lot of fun lately. So go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. No,